was amazing. <laughs> well, welcome everyone. My name is Tanya. I'm one of the pastors here at River Point and West End Church. And I want to say hello to everyone who joins us from Missouri City and West End, all the guys at the Ramsey Prison Unit and Rose Sharon. And then welcome to everyone who's joining us online, really all around the world. I really love that we're kicking off this series with a musical theme to it. So I've asked Chad and Nolan to hang around for just a minute. I think we all have that song, right? The one that takes us back to we wished we were in love, we fell in love, we were in love, we fell out of love, we broke up, we made up, we started all over again. I don't know. Chad, you have that song? That's a lot. It was a lot. Just one. Um, uh, looking back, and I'm probably giving my age away here, but it is the entire catalog of Air Supply. Ooh. Every single song. Let's that? hear it. I'm Let's all hear. out of love. I'm so lost without you. I knew you were right. Believing so I'm all out of love. I'm, what am I without you? It's a little bit sad. It's a little sad. I kind of have a visual view with long hair in your bedroom, on your bed with your guitar, all out of love. I don't know. That is sad. That's, it's a little sad. <laughs> I can give you a happier one. Okay, let's do it. Uh, you probably don't know that my husband asked me to marry him through a song. Through a song. Yeah. I yeah. Did not know that. So Christmas Day, we're watching the Polar Express, and you know at the end, Josh Groban gets to that point. You know, believe in what your heart is saying. Believe the melody that's playing. There's no reason to hesitate. We should celebrate. He very casually turns to me and he says, um, "I believe my heart is telling me that I want to spend the rest of my life with you." Oh my Okay, but I needed clarity. So very, very unromantically, I'd say, just exactly what are you saying right now? <laughs> he says, well, I, I want to marry you and spend the rest of my life with you, and the rest is history. Yeah, that's what happened. That's amazing. Can't wait to Yeah. Good job. Yeah, I think that, that that's a true testament, that music is powerful in that way. Yeah, it really yeah. is. I love how music tells a story, how songs, in particular love songs, country songs, they, they tell a story, and I'll get this wrong, but... I feel like the lyric, it's like the storyline and the, the chorus, it's like the theme. And my favorite part is actually the bridge. I really love the bridge that like flips the script or there's a big aha or something new's introduced. There's hope in the bridge. I don't know, help us understand the structure. You just said it all. Okay, I there mean, you most go. Most of the songs we listen to, it's got a verse and a chorus of the bridge. The verse is that thing thematically just kind of sets the storyline that leads towards what you're saying is the theme. Catchy chorus, that's where the lyrics really are evocative and they come alive. But I agree with you, my favorite part is the bridge. It literally is a pathway that does two segments to a song. There's some crazy bridges out there, and we actually have an example. Oh. If we could do it. This is one of Nolan's favorite songs by Kelly Clarkskin. Oh, uh, Kelly. Bring in Cl the Kelly. Clark Clarkskin? Clarkson. Clarkson? Whoa. They're trying to help it's you. It's by Clark Kellyson, actually. Okay. <laughs> They tried. 
But it's literally a, a bridge that goes somewhere. I saw it doing yeah. that. Yeah, I saw that. It's a, it's a bitter bridge. That is very it's, a, it's a little bit of it. It does definitely flip the script. Yes. You know, Nolan, I was thinking about this you this week, and you've played all over the country, different venues, all different genres of music. I, I'd love to hear from you what you see the power of music being and how it affects people. Yeah, well, it really is uh, the, mu- it's the universal language. Like people say, the cliche is true, and I've played in, in uh, different countries where there was a language barrier, and even worship services, thousands of people that don't speak my language, but... Uh, music connected us somehow. You know, it penetrates your soul when when words can't. So, I think we all we all want to be loved. We all want to experience love, and music is a really powerful way to do that. Yeah, so beautiful. Yeah. That's certainly been true in my life. How about that, you guys? Give it up for Chad and Nolan. Yeah, we need our music uh, experts here, even if they can't really get through their favorite Air Supply song, but we, we gave it a good treat. And you guys really helped out today. Well, listen, today I want to begin our series by exploring a couple things. Here they are. The powerful role our family of origin plays in the success or failure of our relationships. And then the challenge, it brings all of us to take it to the bridge, right? To go to the bridge and flip some of our negative generational scripts that are out there. And we all, we all have them. So let's do something else interactive. I'm going to start these. You finish them. I think you've heard most of these expressions. Here we go. The apple doesn't fall. He's a chip off. Yeah. Like father and my least favorite. She's just like That's not true. (laughs) And we may not love these, but they became cliches for a reason. And here's partly why. I believe this is true. The past powerfully speaks into the present in our relationships. The past powerfully speaks into the present in our relationships. So in my house growing up, strong emotions were to be expressed away from the family. You wouldn't be crying at the dinner table for sure. So if you were crying about something, you were sent to your room, you went to your room, you stayed there till you got over it or you were finished. And this extended to when you got hurt. So if you were hurt, you were fine, everything was fine, everything was gonna be fine. In fact, there was a saying in our household when you got hurt that went like this, don't rub it. If you're hurt, don't rub it. So if you grew up in a home that was really nurturing and very expressive emotionally, and you married someone from my home, and I don't know, you went to a baseball game and your son got hit by a a pitch, and all of a sudden you hear your spouse yelling, don't rub it, don't rub it. And you want to call the ambulance, run out in the field, give all, give all the hugs. That can be rather terrifying. And I think this is because the household you grew up in defines your sense of normal, doesn't it? It really does define your sense of normal. So if we don't stop and pause and explore and consider the people we're closest to and their stories of their family of origin, it's going to lead to lots and lots of confusion and tension around how they react or don't react to things and then what they do with their emotions. Now, in my house, you also didn't miss school. So you had to basically be in the hospital 
to, to miss school. Or if you got over 100, 100, mm, 100.3, you know, maybe you could stay home. And I wish my daughter were here to tell this story, but when she was in preschool, and let me just say, I had three kids under four. Preschool was important. So I was taking her to preschool one day, and on the way there, she started going, you know, mom, I don't feel good. My stomach hurts. I don't really want to go to school family of origin, I'm going, you're fine, you'll be fine. Once you get there, everything will be fine. And I dropped her off, and of course, an hour later, the teacher calls, and she's thrown up at school, and I go pick her up. Here's the funny thing. A couple years ago, she says to me, Mom, do you remember that time I was feeling really sick in preschool, and you took me to school, and I threw up all over my pink jacket? Well, the fact that she remembers her pink jacket tells me that was a traumatic event, but she's fine, everything's fine, she's had a lot of therapy and, and all as well. <laughs> nah, you get that. But, but it could surface in so many ways. I mean, there's a multitude here. How about how your family handled money? What were your mealtime routines? How many of you had to clear your plate? How many of you, it didn't matter? There was a season, y'all, where there was a timer on our table, and if you didn't finish your meal in that time, you went to your room, and then you cried till you got over it. Um, tidiness or clutter, um, how you celebrate your holidays growing up, how you do or didn't show affection, how about was your home real structured, or was there a lot of spontaneity, and there are so many options to choose from, but I believe this is true. We tend to either embrace, stay with me here, or rebel against our parents' ways of doing things, which can then affect how we relate to others when they show those very same behaviors. So this could explain in any given situation why you've got one person all up in it and yelling and the other person has gone to their room, that they're retreating. So I think it's really important to take a look at the past for us to make sense of the present. Because this is also true. The households we grew up in not only define our sense of normal, but also our sense of the crazy, right? And these are most often their blind spots for us. Because my crazy is so normal to me. And your crazy is, is so normal to you. So the question we want to answer today is, are we just doomed here, you know, to pass all of this on from generation to generation? So I want us to take a look at how God designed all of this to work and see if there's some hope for us to take it to the bridge, you know, to flip the generational script. Now, when God created Adam and Eve in this whole concept of marriage, the Bible says this. This explains why a man, and these words are important, leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. So leaves, joined, and united. So this verse, it isn't just about physically leaving our parents, although that's important, and please don't come back again. But it's also, it's about emotionally and systemically leaving them as well. So part of building a healthy marriage means looking at your family culture, looking at your family of origin, and deciding, you know, what do you want to keep? and what would be better left behind. And as you do this, both individually and together, you'll actually become, as the verse said, more and more united into one. 
Plus, compromising to create your own best family culture is really one of the best ways that we can flip the generational script. And being aware of, of when we're overreacting or maybe we're underreacting, it, it's going to help us surface any of those undealt with heart wounds that are there that could be passed on as well. And we don't want to pass those down either. So this is why King Solomon, so he, in his day, he was deemed the wisest man to ever live. He said this, watch, some translations say guard. I really love that picture of standing guard over your heart. Guard your heart, how? Diligently, with all the diligence you have, because from your heart, from it flow all the springs of life. All of the springs of life flow from there. Now in the Bible, the heart, it was your heart, but it was also your mind, your soul, and your spirit. It was literally called the bowels of your being. So the message here, at least for me, is Tanya, boy, diligently guard your heart, soul, mind, and spirit, because everything in your life is gonna flow out of there. And, and I know this sounds all well and good, and, and, and we could romanticize it if we want to, but the other tension and the question it brings for me is, you know, how am I going to do this? How, how do we really practically do that? Well, one of Jesus' followers, his name is Paul, and I have to tell you, his entire script was flipped. His whole life was flipped when he put his faith in him. He really helps us out here. He says this, do not conform, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. It's more of a way of thinking. But instead, and that's a really big but there, but be transformed by renewing your mind. Then when you do that, you'll be able to test or proof and show what God's will is, his good and pleasing and his perfect will. So there's a couple of really helpful pictures in this verse, and it paints a picture of what we can do to help break these patterns. So the idea of conforming here is to be pressed into a mold, pressed into a, a mold of thinking. So it could be a, a pattern of thinking that the culture creates, it could be a pattern that our peers um, offer to us, or it could be our family of origins way of thinking. Instead, Paul says to let God, and I think that's the operative word there, let, to let God transform our thinking by renewing what's going on in our minds. And the word picture he uses for that transformation is the old caterpillar to the butterfly. It's, it's metamorphosis. So it's not, it's not a magic wand, although that would be amazing. But it's this process where old patterns of thinking then emerge as new through the power of God in us. And we begin that process by addressing the filter or the grid that we see things through, those scripts, and, and allow him to transform that thinking ultimately into how we behave, into our behaviors. And I don't know, I don't know what scripts you need to flip in your life right now that go back to how your parents related to you or, or maybe how they related to each other. But maybe they've extended into a script that you're writing with your two-year-old or your teenager or your spouse or your significant other. And by the way, if you're in a second marriage right now, it may be that you've brought in a script from your first marriage that may need some metamorphosing as well. So this week I was thinking about this and I was thinking about two families who I've known for years and years and, and their families of origin. I know the grandparents, the parents, the kids, the grandparents, all the people. And I wanted to tell their stories through um, mowing the yard. 
So in the first family, um, the dad is kind of uh, perfectionistic and image conscious. And every Saturday, he goes out and he mows that yard. And he's that guy, the one that does it in the perfect lines, you know, that one that you look at and go, God, I can't do that. Well, one weekend, he's out of town and his son decided he would mow the yard for him. So he cranks out um, the mower and he goes out and he tries to mow the yard just like his dad would. And on Sunday, his dad came back and he didn't say anything about the yard, but Son's in his bedroom, and all of a sudden, he hears the lawnmower, and he looks out the window, and his dad's out there remowing the yard and all the perfect lines. I know. In the other family, the dad, he doesn't really care so much about the yard and mowing the grass, and so he lets weeks go by, and he waits till he hears from the HOA on the door or the side eye from the neighbor. So one weekend, he looks out. The grass is pretty tall, and he decides, okay, I'm going to mow the yard. But he, he goes out there. He doesn't mow the whole thing. He literally mows a racetrack through the yard, like, like a maze. And he calls to the kids, hey, get your friends, get everybody on the block, come on, get your bikes. We've got a racetrack going on out there. And all the kids go, and, and they have so much fun. And then he mows the yard later. So one family has this culture of really high expectations and image, and the other's more free and spontaneous and, and playful. Two radically different grids to look through. The good news is, no matter what culture we come from, we have the choice to stop. When we see negative behaviors, negative patterns coming out of those, negative responses to stop and go, whoa, you know, hold the phone. What's going on here? Why am I doing this? Why am I acting this? Why am I saying this? Why am I so angry right now? Why am I crying? What's happening here? So if your family of origin had a culture full of negativity or, or sarcasm, this, this verse says you can put on empathy and, and encouragement. If your family of origin was manipulative or passive aggressive, you can choose to speak with truth or with kindness. And the great news is that by flipping our script, then we have the potential to help someone else flip their script as well. Now, we need to beware here because I think all of us could stop right now and, and maybe think, well, you know, if they would flip their script, then it'd be a lot easier for me to flip mine. You know, if they changed their behavior, it'd be a lot easier for me. And, and that's probably true. But you know this, the only change you have power over is the one that looks you in the mirror every single day. So we might as well put our energy into that. And if you're an empty nester right now like me, you, know, you could be sitting here thinking, God, you know, I wish I could turn back time and, and just start over and rewrite it. But here's the thing, you can write forward. You can write an amazing story with your adult children, with your daughter-in-law and a son. You can write fantastic stories with your grandkids going forward. So when I was very young, and some of you have heard me talk about this before. Uh, my parents were divorced, and my mom was a single mom. She was an alcoholic. I was moved from house to house. There's a lot of chaos. So when my kids were very little, I equated structure and lots of activities to safety for them. Well, my son Trent, he's getting married in February. I think I have a picture of his uh, Trent and his fiance. I know they're so cute. They're doing a really smart thing. They're getting some premarital counseling. And I really love that because they're looking at their family cultures and what's going on there and what they want. And in that, uh, Trent actually shared with the counselor that how much he really likes to have things structured and planned out and all the things. And of course, you know, it goes back to that. But the fun thing is we've been able to talk about this as a family. And, and by the way, 
If you're engaged or you're newly married, um, our small group season is kicking off. We have this fantastic workshop called Marry Me, and it will really help you. You should sign up for that. You can just go online and do that. But even if we're like Trent and Allie and we're intentional and we do all of the things that we talked about today, what we know is that Jesus really is the only hope of true transformation of our, of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our spirit. In fact, Paul put it this way. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, in other words, if you've put your faith in Christ, this person, you, are a new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. So I love all the new in this verse, because this is the hope that I don't have to be the same person tomorrow that I am today. I don't have to be the same person when I leave here that I was when I got here today. There's hope for me, there's hope for my story, and there's hope for you, and there's hope for your story. And I say this with all due respect, thank God for that. You know, thank God that we can be transformed, that we can have all things new. Yeah. So now if you watch, um, let's say you go to National Geographic and you watch a time lapse of a caterpillar to a butterfly, it's really a, quite a deliberate process. I mean, that little guy, he has to go and spin that little thread and hang under a leaf, pretty vulnerable. I would say, and then it sheds all, the only skin it's ever known, sheds all that, and then it pauses, and it waits for the transformation process to take over. It's, it's really the end of the world, as he knew it. And I get it, it's scary not knowing what's on the other side of what's painfully familiar to us, isn't it? But I hope you'll take a next step today, like Trent and Allie. So I'm gonna give you a challenge and just one piece of homework. So here we go. First of all, I want you to ask yourself these questions. What positive behaviors and patterns do I wanna replicate, do I wanna keep for my family of origin? What ones would be better off just left behind? And then what's one thing that you'll do, even today when you leave, one thing you can put into action to really flip the script, to go to the bridge? And here's some ideas about what you could do. Maybe it's counseling. Boy, counseling has is, is helped me. We can refer you to some great counselors. Maybe it's just an aha. It's that raised level of awareness where you go, why am I behaving like I'm in middle school right now? Is this that aha thing, being aware? Maybe it's prayer. You know, prayer is a powerful thing. You can commit to pray about this every day. I'm telling you, it'll change things. And then one of the things we've found here at River Point and Weston Church is that life change really happens in the context of relationships. So we've created all these small groups for you that you can choose to be a part of. There's groups for women, men's, couples. There's care groups. And I really hope you'll take advantage of that. And you could go to rpc.me slash groups and sign up. We actually have our small groups team. They're out in the lobby today. They have all the groups out there for you to look at and they'd love to answer any questions that you might have. Jesus is the hope of true internal transformation of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our spirit. Thank God. Would you pray with me? God, help us be more self-aware. 
We're so blind. I'm so blind. We need courage. Give us courage to, to leave those behind. It's, it's so natural to go back to those old scripts. Give us courage to take, take that next step away from it. And I know every single person here like me, we want to write better stories. But we don't want to write them alone. And so, God, we, we, we join you in this, in the great stories that you have for, e- I know you have for each and every person here, an amazing, fantastic, great story that you want to write with them. And so we want to embrace that. And so give us the faith to trust you. Give us the faith to depend on you in this process so that we can go to the bridge, we can flip the script and, and pass that on to our friends and our family and our coworkers and in the generations to come. In Jesus' name, amen.